for sure, the foundation of Hanukkah is the Hanukkah story and what happened on Hanukkah. And um, I, I want to run through that a little bit and see where that takes us. Because there's a lot, there's a lot here. Hanukkah is such a powerful, special, inspiring holiday. And there's a lot there, but we need to, we need to kind of get there. So the story, of course, is the, during the times of the Second Temple, and there were two big Greek kingdoms that were situated on either side of, of Eretz Yisrael, of, of Israel. And the one on the Syrian side is ruled by Antiochus, Emperor Antiochus. And uh, he had a bunch of generals, and there's like different names to these different like segments of Greek culture, but they were both powerfully dominated by Greek culture. Same idea. But there was this struggle between the two. And Israel was situated in a, in a bad place, kind of right between them. There was like seaports and trade routes that were part of this conflict. So this uh, emperor Antiochus decided to invade Israel, and he needed to claim that territory. And he had no problem with the Jewish people being alive. That, that was fine with him. He didn't go on a crusade to kill the Jews, as others throughout history have attempted to do. That wasn't his battle. His battle was to do away with Jewish religion, with everything that Judaism represents. That's what he couldn't stand. So he started by, by, by having these decrees of, of laws forbidding the fundamentals of the Jewish religion. What are the fundamentals of Jewish religion? If you want to know, go look at what the emperor banned, and you'll know what he realized is at the heart of what it be, means to be a Jew. And the main ideas was Shabbos, observing Shabbos, Mila, circumcision, Torah study is like the beating heart of the Jewish nation is Torah study. And uh, there were other things as well, the Jewish calendar, Rosh Chodesh, the Jewish calendar, and... Uh, and all of this was banned, and the purpose of that, the goal of that, was to break down the barriers between Jews and Gentiles. That's what they wanted to do. Let's take out the most, like, obviously Jewish things, and, and I'm not looking to kill the Jewish people, I'm just looking to assimilate them into the Greek culture. They were very successful. So you might think about Hanukkah, perhaps you might think about Hanukkah as, like, an amazing story of the heroic Jewish people who rose up to fight this Greek dominance, that's not the reality. The unfortunate reality is massive percentages of the Jewish people were very happy to live a, a Greek culture and a Greek lifestyle. They were very happy with that. And it's very tempting. It's very tempting to enjoy, focus on the on physicality and, and all that Greek represented they, they adopted Greek clothing and hairstyles and names and dress and all these kinds of things. I read there was like entire cities in, in Israel that looked from, to an outsider as a Greek city that were 100% populated by Jews. Like it's unbelievable. It's, it's tragic to think of such a thing. So there was a small group. They called themselves the, the Maccabees, led by Judah the Maccabees. And they decided that they, they have to revolt against the Greek Empire. They can't allow you know, Judaism to go down this road. And, of course, there was the, the miracle of the battle that a small group, you know, kind of like think of it as almost like a, a small group of rabbis seemed to be, like who went out there. But it wasn't like rabbis per se. It was just God-fearing God Jews who wanted to cherish our connection with Hashem and our connection with Judaism. And they went out there and they fought a war. 
and miraculously they won that war against the mighty Greek Empire. So, and then of course there's the the story of how they went back into the temple, they went back into the Beis Hamikdash, and they wanted to resume the ritual services, the daily services in the Beis Hamikdash. One of which is menorah, right? Menorah wasn't invented as a Hanukkah commemoration. Menorah was always lit. It's a mitzvah in the Torah to light the menorah every day in the in the temple. And they went to rededicate the menorah, and they couldn't find any oil until they found this one pach shemen, this one little jug of oil, which would have been good for one day, and it miraculously lasted for eight days, which was the amount of time that they needed to procure more oil, you know, to get it from where they needed to get it from. So that's the essence, you know, that's the basics of the story. Now, the main clash between what the Greeks represented and Judaism represented, if I had to, like, sum it up in, in a way, would be that the Greeks cherished and valued the physical world, the physical body, the human body. They were really, really like worship the human body and having the, the perfect form and the perfect sports and and everything was the physical world. It was science, it was their stri- you know, them striving for for science and technology and developing our world. And that's where it stopped. That's where it stopped. Now Jews don't have a problem per se with physicality. We don't have look around. <laughs> we don't have a problem with physicality. We're sitting here, we're enjoying lunch. That's that's like that's wonderful. We don't so we might not we don't want to focus on like idolizing the human body, but we also are okay with science and developing the world and technology. I mean, we we're great at that. But the question is what our priorities are. We see behind that, beneath that that the physical world is only the surface level. And really, the main purpose of life is, is, is deeper than that. It's what where our hearts are. It's what our mission is in this world. It's how we connect to and serve Hashem in this world. And the physical world is something we work with, and we try to use everything as a tool to connect to Hashem, to connect to something higher. But it's certainly not the extent of it. We're not just like, okay, we have our world, we live, we work, we sleep, we eat. You know, until we pass on. That's just the foundation. Now we go way deeper than that, and we connect to Hashem, we connect to Torah, we connect to mitzvahs. Um, I saw Nachmanides has a, basically the way he understands what the Greeks were doing. Let's see if there's a literal quote here. I don't have the literal quote here, but basically says, just because we don't understand something deeper, we're not so arrogant to believe that if we don't see it, it's not there. That's the idea. There's a lot going on that's a lot deeper, and we're going to get into some of that now about some powerful, deep ideas in Hanukkah. But even if we wouldn't, we know that there's, there's much more going on that meets the eye. I saw a quote from Rev Hirsch as well that I thought was, was important. He says, Not what man thinks of God is of primary importance, but what God thinks of man and wants him to do. We're very limited in how, what we think of God because we're human beings, right? We're, we're finite. God has the bird's eye views and he's infinite and, and there's no end to the depth of the comprehension of, of Hashem. And therefore, we can't just look at it like, okay, this is what I understand. This is what I see. So this is what's here. That's, we're limited because we're human beings. So what we should focus on is what does Hashem want from us? Thankfully, Hashem doesn't keep it a secret. We have the Torah. Hashem gave us the Torah. We can know exactly what he wants from us. If we don't know, the, the ability for us to educate ourselves is, is right in front of us. It's just a matter of 
whether we're going to do it. But I thought that's a, that's an important thing to, to keep in mind as well. Okay, so what is the miracle of Hanukkah? The miracle of Hanukkah is the oil that lasted for, for eight days. That's clear. That's why we light the menorah. That's actually why the menorah, the menorah is eight branches, but the menorah in the temple was seven branches. Like the menorah is the miracle. The menorah is the miracle, and that is the miracle of the oil burn. Is that such a big deal? Okay, short answer is yes. If you'd go light an ounce of oil at your house and it burns eight days, that would be pretty unbelievable, right? But in the world of Jewish history, that was not the biggest miracle that's ever happened to the Jewish people. My goodness, not even close. Great, so the miracles that happened with the exodus from Egypt were already established into holidays. So no issues there. But there were many other miracles that happened. Like, we don't have miracles. Hashem <coughs> runs the world and nature, and there were times many, many years ago when miracles were like a part of life. They were a part of Jewish life, is that occasionally Hashem did something miraculous. Now, Hashem does not do that. That's like a clear consensus. There's no like magical miracles that Hashem does now. Hashem reveals himself in our world in many different ways. He glimpses, you know, through the, between the clouds and he gives us little messages, but it's not through open miracles. The, there's a Mishnah in Avos that talks about, this is just one example, 10 miracles that happened in the temple. Okay, I'll read some of them. The, the meat that was, that was brought as a sacrifice, the meat from an animal that was brought from a sacrifice, never went rotten, never got rotten. If you'd leave the meat out for a few hours, it would be bad. A fly was never in the room of slaughtering. You know, if you go to, you know how many, go to a live animal and see how many flies are around, a, a live horse or whatever. There was not a single fly in, in anywhere near the sacrifices. The rain, there was an altar, um, outside, there was an outdoor one, and it rains in Israel. It rains, you know, it rains, and the rain never put out the fire, which is always burning on the on the on the altar. The wind never moved the pillar of smoke that went up from the altar as well. There was a smoke that went up straight up to to the sky. No wind would move that smoke. Um, people would stand up, and it would be crowded in the temple. Imagine. 15 million Jews going to the temple. <laughs> and they would stand up, would be crowded, and then when they would bow down as part of the, the service of bowing down to Hashem, there was plenty of space. Like, total, like, physical miracle. Nobody's ever said, I'm not going to Jerusalem, it's too crowded over there. That never happened. Okay, and on and on and on. And this is just one Mishnah in Avos that I happen to have come across. There's, there's plenty of miracles that happen. So why is it that the miracle of Hanukkah this one miracle of, of that fire is something that's turned into a holiday for all of eternity. What's the deal with that? Good question? So I saw this idea from the Kedushas Levi. Kedushas Levi was a, a Hasidic rabbi, a very, very holy, special rabbi. And he asked a question, basically this question, why is it that there are holidays that are established for some miracles but not for others? So he answers as follows. He says, only miracles that create a permanent energy of that miracle is something that is turned into a holiday for all of eternity. That means that it's something that provides Jewish people for all eternity to tap into some kind of energy. We're going to get into what that energy is and what that, and what that means. A Yom Tov, a holiday, a Jewish holiday, is not just a calendar day. There's a reality 
that permeates the world during that day, every single year, that we have an ability to tap into. And that's what he means. He quotes, as it says in the Hanukkah prayer, Bayamim Hahem Bazman Hazet. In those days, at this time, this time, which repeats itself every single year. I actually saw, somebody showed me today, I was sharing this idea this morning at the Kolel, and uh, one of the rabbis there pointed out that the, the Talmud says something very interesting. In the story of Hanukkah, what is Hanukkah? This is the Talmud in, in Shabbos 21b. What is Hanukkah? So he explains, basically the, the, the Talmud says the, the short ver version of the story, that um, the Yevanim, the Greeks, went into the temple and they contaminated all, all of the oil. And when the, the house of Hashmanaim, the, the Maccabees and those who fought against the Greeks, when they got up and they fought the Greeks and they won, they looked and they couldn't find any oil except for one jug and that had the seal of the high priest, the Kohen Gadol, and it was only going to last one day, and it lasted eight days. Okay, ready for the next words? L'shana acheres kavum v'asam um yamim taivim, b'halal v'haydah. The next year they established and they made these days as a holiday for, for thanking Hashem and praising Hashem and rejoicing. Why the next year? The miracle just happened. Right away there should be this declaration. The rabbis get together, you know, they had the, the power to do this. They say, look, we just had this unbelievable miracle. The oil lasted eight days. Right now we're going to declare Hanukkah for all eternity. What do you mean the next year? Why did they wait till the next year? So I heard this idea that it's because there were miracles that happened in, in ancient times. The rabbis needed to find out, figure out, if this miracle was of the magnitude that it created an energy that is going to stay there for all eternity. Because only then, as the Kedush HaSlevi says, is it going to be established as, as a Yom Tev. Because, you know, part of it is now, part of the purpose of the Yom Tev is also that we have the ability to tap into this energy. It's not empty calendar days that we're just taking off of work. Okay? Go tell that to the non-Jewish boss. It's not empty calendar days that we're just in the mood of taking off work. There's a powerful way that we connect to Hashem. There's an energy that, that we could use to become closer to Hashem. So that's, so the next year came, and the rabbis, maybe they saw this miracle, and maybe they even said, hey guys, you know, maybe this is, this is one of those miracles we should make a, make a holiday for. I said, okay, wait, let's wait till next year. And next year, the rabbis holy, holy, special people were able to feel that energy. And when they came the next calendar year on Chafe, the 25th of Kislev, and the, you know, the following eight days, and they felt that spiritual energy, they said, that's it, it's here. We're making it a Yom Tov. What, a, what an incredible idea. So that's why it says L'shana Acharis. It happened the next year. All right. So, so now we got to figure out what, what is this? What is this energy? How do we tap into it? What, how is this going to change our lives? How are we going to make... What did I put on the flyer? How are we going to make this Hanukkah life-changing, right? I promise to make this Hanukkah life-changing. I'm going to come through on that promise. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so th there's, something, there's something powerful here. Sometimes we, it's, I, I feel like the cliche is to look at Hanukkah, and I don't mean to be cynical, but you see the light. Hanukkah represents the light in the darkness. It's the winter, it's cold, it's dark. But what does that mean? That's poetic and beautiful, the light in the darkness. But what is, how do we connect to that and how does that change us? How does that make us more connected Jews? 
there's a lot of similarities also. Like I feel like, here's the other cliche. I'm probably just basing this off things I might have spoke about another time, right? There's the Greek culture that we can be quick to draw parallels to American culture, to Western society, to our modern day era. We also live in an environment where there's a big focus on, on body and form and wealth and money and all kinds of things that are, you know, not necessarily going to connect us to Hashem or connect us to the Torah. So the similarities might be there. So, okay, so now what does that mean? What do we need to do? Now we have some kind of energy that we're going to overpower that. What does that mean? So I want to read for you some, some lines from such a, such a powerful idea I saw a couple weeks ago. So basically, just to, to share the thought, and then we're going to dive into it. The energy of Hanukkah is our ability to authentically connect to Hashem in our current situation, no matter what we're going through, regardless of how we were raised or the world around us or anything that's happening to us in our life. And now let's approach Hanukkah with this lens. Okay, let's try to look at this. So I want to share some words from this, this book, the Sefer, Biyam Darkecha, is a Sefer that I am addicted to? Addicted to. I've had worse addictions. <laughs> and it's written by uh, Rav Itchermeyer Morgenstern, and he lives in Jerusalem, and he is a, a mekubal. He, he, he delves into the world of Kabbalah. I don't delve into the world of Kabbalah. But this book has opened my eyes to a whole new world. And if Kabbalah is too heavy use of a word, just change it. Edit, copy, paste, delete. Put in whatever word you want. I don't know. Some people might call it like Hasidus. Some people might call it, I don't know, whatever you want. Whatever makes you feel good about it, call it that name. It's deeper ideas that, that really connect us in, a, in an unbelievable way. So he talks about, forget Hanukkah. He talks about before Hanukkah. He talks about preparing for Hanukkah. So how do you prepare for Hanukkah? Okay, so there's this idea. There's an idea that you prepare for a mitzvah and that you want to have the right intent, the right kavana when you do a mitzvah. When I think of somebody who's having the right intentions when he does a mitzvah. That's like a very high level. It's like not just are we doing it, we're having certain thoughts, we're connecting to Hashem in some deep way. You know who I think of when I think of that? Him, I don't know, the author of this Sefer, like some holy rabbi. Some holy rabbi. Like how do we connect to such deep holiness? We're, we're, we're I don't know, can I call us regular Jews? Yeah, we're regular Jews. We're not like these giants of the Jewish world. So when I think of the concept of kavana, I think that's above my pay grade. Maybe sometimes it is, but when it comes to Hanukkah, it's in all of our, our pay grade. Check this out. So he says, the preparation for lighting the menorah. He says, anytime a person wants to connect to what he calls light, or light, but what light <laughs> means is a feeling of coming close to Hashem. Okay, that's how I'm translating the word light. If you want to have a real feeling in your soul of connecting to Hashem, anytime a person wants to do that, step one is to prepare, to, to anticipate it, to want it, to crave it. That's step number one. You're not just going to get it. If you want to really feel that your neshama, your soul is connecting to Hashem, you need to want that. So therefore, before you light the menorah, at the time that you're preparing the candles, okay, how do you prepare candles? 
I prepared yesterday. I went to Amazon.com and I ordered some stuff. <laughs> and the I can't. I actually didn't do the pre-filled ones, but but regardless, okay. It was hard for me to try to like have these thoughts when I was doing that. But on the day of Hanukkah, each day of Hanukkah, you have to prepare your candles. Even if you have the pre-made ones, which are like the easy way of doing it, you still need to take out the old one and you need to put in the new one, yeah. right? Maybe you have a little mess, you want to clean up the mess, maybe you want to make sure you have like a, a siddur or a bracha card there. I don't know, there's a little bit of preparation that goes into. So when you're preparing the candles and any, any way of preparation for the mitzvah of lighting the menorah, this is what you're going to think. Okay, ready for the holy thought that, that, you know, maybe we can't possibly connect to? Drum roll. He should think, I'm going to talk in first person because he, is, he writes that way as well. How much do I want to come close to Hashem? The kama kashali and how hard it is for me with the evil inclination, the Yitzhahara, that distracts me. Umachnis bi and puts within me Machshavas shall gaiva, thoughts of haughtiness, the atzvas and sadness, ubilbul and confusion. The thought when you prepare for the menorah is not this holy Rebbe thought that I'm coming here and I'm, and I'm fixing up other worlds with like some, you know, unbelievable thoughts of Hashem's name and I don't know, all kinds of like Kabbalistic things. It's a very simple thought. The thought is, Hashem, I want to feel close to you and I'm having a hard time doing that because the evil inclination puts within me so many thoughts. I'm sure we could relate to these thoughts of, of gaiva, like just of like, you know, self, like haughtiness and, and, and you know, makes us feel that it's all, all about us. The atzvas and sadness, how much does the Yitzhahara put in sadness? Even when you're talking about connecting to Hashem, the Yitzhahara loves to put in sadness. No, you should feel sad. You can't connect to Hashem. Like that's a favorite tactic of the Yitzhahara. And Bilbo and confusion, everything. The Yitzhahara puts in all kinds of thoughts. So we're going to come to Hashem, we're going to say, Hashem, I want to connect to you, but it's hard to connect with you. That's it. That's the thought. And from this understanding of how hard this is, of the extent of how hard his situation is, and how hard this battle is, this battle to really connect to Hashem, he should anticipate and crave and desire and ask from Hashem, believe <coughs> with his heart, you could ask of Hashem with thoughts and and with your mouth. You could verbalize things as well. And we're going to ask Hashem, please illuminate for us this light. Let us merit through the power of the Hanukkah candle of the menorah that Hashem should illuminate our neshama, our soul, to go out of the darkness. And we should merit to live a life of emes, a life of truth, a life of emunah, a life of faith in Hashem, and a, light of, and a life of or, a life of light. Because that's all our neshama craves from the deepest level. My soul is thirsty for you, Hashem. When am I going to come and merit to see the face of Hashem? That's the kavana. I was so blown away by this. Because I think of kavana as like this holy thing. Can you connect? Can you relate to the concept that from the deepest level... Your neshama wants to connect to Hashem, and you struggle to do so. Who in the world doesn't connect to that? Who doesn't connect to that? That's all of us. 
That's all of us. So Hanukkah is the yomtiv of those who have a hard time connecting to Hashem. It's not like some high-level holy day that's like, I don't know, for like people who, are, who merit to be at that level. On the contrary, it's like I, I call it the, the holiday of, of katnas, the holiday of smallness. The smaller you feel, the more disconnected you feel, the more Hanukkah is for you. This is for you. This is the time. So what's that energy? The energy that was put into this world, the energy that, the, that this small group of Jews brought out is the ability to connect to Hashem despite the odds being stacked so far, so heavy against us. Imagine what it lived like, what it was like to be in an era where most Jews <coughs> threw off Torah Judaism and, and enjoyed the Hellenistic Greek culture and you're from the few proud Jews, you're hiding in a cave to learn some Torah. And if, and if the Greeks came into the cave, you were dead, right? So it's, it, they, they did everything they can and you have to sacrifice your, your life. You have to risk at least your life in order to try to practice Judaism. And you look at your Jews, your Jewish brothers and sisters for some support and what do you get? Huge percentages that are enjoying the Greek culture. That's not very encouraging, right? That's not very encouraging. Can we relate to this? We could for sure relate to this. Can we relate? Unfortunately, I don't know the statistics of what percentage of Jews assimilated into Greek culture. I can't imagine they're worse than current levels of Jewish assimilation, unfortunately. So we could certainly relate to the, the idea that the world around us is living a, a life of, of Western society like western values and focuses on the physical and not on the spiritual and if we want to look to our jewish to to, to jews for comfort most of them are not are not connecting to hashem in this level so we have the same deal the odds are, are stacked against us thank god we don't get shot if we practice our judaism god bless america we live in a country where we can practice our Judaism without the fear of, of being killed by the government. There might be some people who, who, who unfortunately are, are out to get us, but it, it's not the American army roaming the streets. You know, We don't have it like they had it. <laughs> Cliff's not very optimistic. <laughs> what do you say? I was just thinking with the Spanish Jews um, back in the Inquisition times, um, convert or die, how a certain percentage, I don't know what, lived is the name is Milanos, right. you know, they outwardly express their allegiance to Christianity, mm -hmm. to Judaism, but they were known as the hitting Jews. So I'm just wondering, I haven't, and it could be just me, I haven't heard anything about if there were any Greek Jews, Hellenistic, who embraced Hellenism, mm -hmm. but then secretly mm -hmm. kept their Jews. I have no idea. Because why, awesome. if one did, this was, I mean, right. Greeks were, of course, many centuries before, but... right. I wonder. What? They were pretty good at keeping the secret one. Right. Right. Maybe. Maybe. So that's 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 what we have the ability to do on Hanukkah. We have the ability to to look to Hashem and say, Hashem, it's hard for me to connect to you, but I want to connect to you. That's it's not even it's not deeper than that. Hashem, I want to connect to you. Hanukkah is not a yamtiv full of mitzvahs. There's, there's just the one mitzvah. We light the menorah. 
I mean, there's also a mitzvah to praise Hashem and, and say hallel and prayers, but it's not like a day where we can't work, you know, like, like Shabbat, where you can't work and you have meals and you have whatever. It, it doesn't have that much to it. But it's a simple... Latkes. We have latkes, we have a dreidel, we have presents, we have all kinds of things, yeah. But it's just a simple idea, Hashem, I want to connect to you. And it's hard for me to connect to you. <coughs> and what this means is that the energy is there. That means more on Chaf Dalet Kislev. Um, Hanukkah starts Sunday night, right? Correct. So yeah. Saturday night, Saturday night, and Sunday, if we were to tell ourselves or tell Hashem, Hashem, I want to connect to you, but I'm having a hard time. That's a wonderful thing to do. But do that on Chaf Hey Kislev Sunday night and Monday and those eight days. And the energy is there and available to you to actually connect to this in a very powerful way. So all year round, that might not be your thing. You're not like, you're not, maybe you're not so mindful of this. Maybe we're not always saying, Hashem, I really want to connect to you. But that's something that we can do on Hanukkah. That's one thing we can do on Hanukkah. And he says the time to do that is when you're preparing your menorah. Another time to do that is when you're lighting the menorah. Anytime you could do that, anytime you could find two minutes to, to be like conscious of this, to think of this, mm -hmm. to think and, and just talk to Hashem and tell Hashem, Hashem, I really want to connect to you. And I'm not here to connect to you. I'm here to say I want to connect to you. Maybe I don't even have the ability to, to actually do it, but at least I want to tell you that I want to. From the deepest place, my neshama wants to connect to you. That's the, that's the energy. Is that life-changing? Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to get sued. There's a few more lines that I want to read. This touches on the, the topic of, of Emuna, which we should talk about for years, but at least we could talk about it for a few minutes. He asks, it's like the footnotes on the bottom here. It's one of those footnotes that are written by the same person. It's not, a, it's not somebody else coming giving commentary. He like, writes the idea, and then he says, if you want more depth, you can look on the bottom. So he says, what is... He, he says, we sh we're asking of Hashem that we want to live a life of emuna. What does that mean, a life of emuna? What does that do for us? How does that upgrade our quality of life? Right, we're not going to ask for it if it doesn't do something good for us. So let's, let's find it here. That's the whole thing. Okay, we're going to do the whole thing. Well, we'll see what we could do. So that idea is to understand that Hashem is the only true power, and everything that happens is only through His kayak, His power, His energy. And every Jew needs to believe and know that everything that happens in this world is Hashem's doing. He is the Asa Osa the Yasa Lechalamasim. He's the one who did, does, and will do to all of the people who do. Meaning to say, we do things, but we're reflecting the, the energy of Hashem. It's really only through the power of Hashem. And what, what, what we see through our eyes as nature and physicality, we see people doing things, we people accomplishing things, we should know that that's only a concealment of the truth that Hashem is guiding the entire world. And He is the, the power behind everything, and He is guiding everything. And everything that exists, that, we, that, that looks like it has its own existence, it might have its own life and, and, and its own form, but it's there to bring out, to reveal the light of Hashem. So, okay, great. That's the feeling. Now, what does this do for you? 
So therefore, if that's the case, when a person falls into the pits, when a, when a person mm. falls into a difficult situation, God forbid, he will immediately turn to his creator, to Hashem. He's not going to turn to things that cover up Hashem, which don't have the true, you know, let's say salvation for him. It's easy to think that my salvation is here. My salvation is one, one specific thing. But really, Hashem is what powers the salvation. So let me give you an example. And let's say a person is turning to medicine. The salvation of medicine is from Hashem. Hashem's light of, of healing often comes through the medical world. Sometimes doesn't. Sometimes people heal without medical intervention. Sometimes people heal, people heal despite medical intervention, unfortunately. Right? But the power to heal is only God's, only Hashem's. The power to give you financial blessing, for example, also. It's only from Hashem. We look and we see how this piece of godliness is dressed up. So then we crave specific things. We want to raise from our boss. We want to win the lottery. But what do we really want? We really want Hashem to give us a, a livelihood. That's really what it is. That, that's just about seeing the power behind it all. So when a person is in a difficult situation, he doesn't look at the external things. He looks at what's really powering those things, and that is Hashem. And when a person has success and things are going well, he doesn't become haughty from this. He just knows that he is now acting as a proper, appropriate pipeline to reveal Hashem in this world. When you're, when you're connecting to your Judaism, or maybe you're sharing your Judaism, you're the one who merits to be revealing the light of Hashem in this world. What, a, what an amazing thing. There'd be no better job in this world. But he knows that everything is really Hashem. It's not about, his, it's not about him and his ego. And somebody who lives with this, this emuna, this faith, he knows that there's nothing but Hashem who is found with us always, right now, in our place, in every place, in every location, in every time, Hashem is with us. Then his life, azai chayav mesukim midavash, is sweeter than honey. And he lives with an inner happiness and calmness and relaxation. And a person like this, when things are hard, he's not broken. He immediately internalize, He immediately puts himself under the shade of Hashem, the, the wings, the shoulders of Hashem. So instead of living like I'm living with you know, all this stress and these problems, instead I'm like, no, I'm going to go take refuge in Hashem. I'm going to go... You know, let Hashem put his arms around me. I'm just going to go over to him and be close to Hashem. And he runs only to Hashem through his speech, through his action, through his thoughts. And with that, he could withstand anything that comes his way. And such a person will never be scared of anybody else. And he will not, he will never be scared of something. He'll never be thrown off by something that happens because he lives with this internal, eternal truth that everything is really from Hashem. So any problems we have, the solution is Hashem, regardless of what it looks like. It looks like that this and this and this are causing me these problems. But really, everything's from Hashem and the solution is from Hashem as well. So he's basically making the case for a life of Amuna. Why should you do this? Why do you want to connect to Hashem? On Hanukkah, we want to tell Hashem, Hashem, I want to come close to you. Okay, what's the why of Amuna? Why do you want to come close to Hashem? Why do you want to live with Hashem? This is the answer, because life is sweeter than honey when you're living with Hashem. But everywhere you go, you're, you're walking with Him, and He's the one you turn to 
There's no greater life than that, okay? Forget the next world and olam haba and reward. There's no greater life that you can live than that. What do you say? One second, pal. I was just going to say that um, the 